Hello. Welcome to Science Factual. Prepare yourself for factual download. Sequence commencing. That animated show intro really tickles the old nostalgia ganglia. Hey there, bub. Welcome to Science Factual, the show that dives into the facts behind your favorite science fiction. I'm your host, Reese Hendrick, and I've been looking forward to today's episode, which is all about the epic Marvel franchise, X-Men. I've also been very much looking forward to sitting down with guest comedian James Bosquez to nerd out on the sci-fi staple over at Helium Comedy Club in Southeast Portland. Make sure to stick around to the end of the episode for a hilarious set from James. In the meantime, I'd like to apologize now to the hyper nerds out there because although I'm trying to do justice to this expansive and important Marvel property, I won't be able to cover nearly everything or get into the more obscure details of story arcs and lesser known characters like Eye Boy or Beak or Ugly John, whose name is actually Steve. Hard to tell which one is more useless. For everyone else, this incoming spoiler alert, spoiler alert, is for you. I'll be touching on a number of historical points regarding the franchise without getting too far into any one storyline, so this spoiler alert isn't so much associated with story or plot points, but more so if you're the type of nerd who likes to do their own research into things. Speaking of which, let's get right into it. The X-Men are a superhero team appearing in American comic books published by Marvel Comics, first appearing in the X-Men number one by artist and co-plotter Jack Kirby and writer-editor Stan Lee in 1963. By the way, Stan Lee's real name is Stanley Lieber. Bet you didn't know he was a Jewish. I'd boast further, but the man certainly has a complicated past, not only with his Jewish identity, but his inappropriate conduct with women as well. Although initially canceled in 1970 due to low sales, following its 1975 revival and subsequent direction under writer Chris Claremont, it became one of the most recognizable and successful franchises of Marvel Comics. They have appeared in numerous books, television shows, the 20th Century Fox X-Men films, and video games. The X-Men title may refer to the superhero team itself, the eponymous comic series, or the broader franchise including various solo titles and team books such as The New Mutants, Excalibur, and X-Force. In the Marvel Universe, mutants are humans who are born with a genetic trait called the X-Gene, which grants them natural superhuman abilities. Due to their differences from the majority of humanity, mutants are subject to prejudice and discrimination, and many X-Men stories feature social commentary on bigotry and justice. The X-Men have fought against a variety of enemies, including villainous mutants, human bigots, supervillains, mystical threats, extraterrestrials, and malevolent artificial intelligences. In most iterations of the team, they are led by their founder Charles Professor X Xavier, a powerful telepath who runs a school for mutant children out of his mansion in Westchester, New York, which secretly is also the headquarters of the X-Men. 
Their stories have frequently involved Magneto, a powerful mutant with control over magnetic fields, who is depicted as an old friend and foil to Xavier, variously acting as an adversary or as an ally. Historically, the X-Men have been based in the Xavier Institute of Gifted Youngsters, otherwise known as the X-Mansion, located in Salem Center, Westchester County, New York, and are often portrayed as a family. The Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters is often depicted with three floors and two underground levels. To the outside world, it acted as a higher learning institute until the 2000s when Xavier was publicly exposed as a mutant, at which point it became known as a mutant boarding school. Xavier funds a corporation aimed at reaching mutants worldwide, though it ceased to exist following the 2005 Decimation storyline. The X-Men benefit from advanced technologies such as Xavier tracking down mutants with a device called Cerebro, which amplifies his powers. Uh, the X-Men train within the Danger Room, first depicted as a room full of weapons and booby traps, now as generating holographic simulations. And the X-Men travel in their Blackbird jet, also known as the X-Jet. The current iteration of the official X-Men team is headquartered in the Treehouse, a Krakowin base in New York City, and the roster is voted on by their fellow mutants in elections held at periodic Hellfire Galas. Fucking metal. No longer working in secret, they fight publicly for the safety of mutants, to build bridges between Krakoa and human nations, and to protect the Earth and solar system from extraterrestrial threats. Now, the X-Men exist in the Marvel Universe along with other characters featured in Marvel Comics series and often interact with them. The X-Men mutant corner of the Marvel Universe has been informally called the X-Universe. For instance, Wolverine was an antagonist to the Hulk before joining the X-Men and has ties to other heroes such as Captain America, Black Widow, The Thing, Captain Marvel, aka Carol Danvers, Elektra, and Spider-Man. Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are former Brotherhood of Mutant members who joined the Avengers, as have other X-Men characters such as Beast. Rogue got her powers via absorbing Carol Danvers, then called Miss Marvel, who has also interacted with the X-Men. Kitty Pride, aka Shadowcat, has been part of the Guardians of the Galaxy and dated Star-Lord. She has also served as a mentor to Franklin Richards, the mutant son of Mr. Fantastic and Invisible Woman of the Fantastic Four. Storm was once the Queen of Wakanda and the wife of Black Panther, as well as a temporary member of the Fantastic Four. Iceman and Angel have also joined the original champions alongside Black Widow, Ghost Rider, and Hercules, as well as having frequent partnerships with Firestar and Spider-Man as the Amazing Friends. Sabretooth was an Iron Fist villain before becoming Wolverine's arch-nemesis, and both the X-Men and the Avengers formed a team called Uncanny Avengers, aka Avengers Unity Division, after a conflict over the Phoenix Force. The global nature of the mutant concept means the scale of stories can be highly varied. The X-Men's enemies range from mutant thieves to galactic threats. Their powers are varied from awesome ones like controlling the weather, having super strength, teleportation, or telekinesis to relatively lame ones like having a bunch of extra useless skin, or having three faces, or just having a really long neck. At the end of the day, there's a power out there for everyone. Let's hop into the Wayback Machine, because in 1963, with the success of Spider-Man, the Hulk, Thor, Iron Man, and the Fantastic Four, co-creator Stan Lee wanted to create another group of superheroes, but did not want to have to explain how they got their powers. In 2004, Lee recalled, I couldn't have everybody bitten by a radioactive spider or exposed to a gamma ray explosion. And I took the cowardly way out. I said to myself, why don't I just say they're mutants? They're just born that way. Just put your paws off. 
Because you were born this way, baby. And in a 1987 interview, Kirby said, The X-Men, I did the natural thing there. What would you do with mutants who were just plain boys and girls and certainly not dangerous? You'd school them. You'd develop their skills. So I gave them a teacher, Professor X. Of course, it was the natural thing to do instead of disorienting or alienating people who were different from us. I made the X-Men part of the human race, which they were. I felt that if we train the mutants our way, they'll help us, and not only help us, but achieve a measure of growth in their own sense, and so we could all live together. Lee devised the series title after Marvel publisher Martin Goodman turned down the initial name, The Mutants, stating that readers wouldn't know what a mutant was. Which is true. At that point in time, it wasn't necessarily part of the sci-fi lexicon as terminology. Within the Marvel Universe, the X-Men are widely regarded to have been named after Professor Xavier himself. The original explanation for the name as provided by Xavier in the X-Men number 1 from 1963 is that mutants possess an extra power, one which extraordinary humans do not. That's why I call my students X-Men for extra power. DC Comics' Doom Patrol, which debuted several months before X-Men, was suspected by its creator Arnold Drake and its fans of having had the basic concept copied to a great degree, including a wheelchair-bound leader, by Marvel Comics to create the X-Men. Other fans also speculate that Doom Patrol shares similarities with another Marvel superhero team that precedes them, the Fantastic Four. Alrighty, let's get a little deeper into the main eras of the comic book and the characters we've come to know and love over the years. For a more in-depth review of each mutant's powers, definitely check out the myriad of articles available online written by various types of nerds detailing those powers. Or just encounter comedian Jamie Carbone out in the wild and I'm certain they would love to offload their nerd knowledge into your unsuspecting brain. The original X-Men members that were created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby introduced the original team composed of Cyclops, Marvel Girl, aka Jean Grey, Beast, Angel, and Iceman, along with their archenemy Magneto and his Brotherhood of Evil Mutants featuring Mastermind, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, and Toad. The comic focused on a common human theme of good versus evil and later introduced storylines and themes about prejudice and racism, all of which have persisted throughout the series in one form or another. The evil side in the fight was shown in human form and under some sympathetic beginnings via Magneto, a character who was later revealed to have survived Nazi concentration camps only to pursue a hatred for normal humanity. His key followers, Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch, were Romani, who were also persecuted during World War II. Only one new member of the X-Men was added, Mimic, aka Calvin Rankin, but soon left due to his temporary loss of power. The title lagged in sales behind Marvel's other comic franchises, and in 1969, writer Roy Thomas and illustrator Neil Adams rejuvenated the comic book and gave regular roles to two recently introduced characters. Havoc, aka Alex Summers, who had been introduced by Roy Thomas before Adams began work on the comic, and Lorna Dane, later called Polaris, created by Arnold Drake and Jim Steranko. However, these later X-Men issues failed to attract sales, and Marvel stopped producing new stories with issue number 66, later reprinting a number of the older comics as issues 67 through 93. That brings us to the Claremont era, which begins with giant size X-Men number 1 in 1975 by writer Len Wein and artist Dave Cockrum, which introduced a new team that starred in a revival of the X-Men, beginning with issue number 94. The revived series was illustrated by Cockrum and later by John Byrne, and written by Chris Claremont, who became the series' longest-running contributor. 
The run met with critical acclaim and produced such landmark storylines as the death of Thunderbird, the emergence of Phoenix, the saga of the Starjammers and the Imkroan Crystal, the introduction of Alpha Flight, and the Proteus Saga. Other characters introduced during this time include Amanda Sefton, Mystique, and Moira McTaggart with her genetic research facility on Muir Island. The 1980s began with the comic's best-known story arc, The Dark Phoenix Saga, which saw Phoenix manipulated by the illusionist mastermind and becoming corrupted with an overwhelming lust for power and destruction as the evil Dark Phoenix. Other important storylines included Days of Future Past, the saga of Deathbird and the Brood, the discovery of the Morlocks, the invasion of the Dire Wraiths, and the trial of Magneto, as well as X-Men God Loves, Man Kills, the partial inspiration for 20th Century Fox's movie, X2 X-Men United, which was released on May 2nd, 2003. And that brings us to the blue and gold era. In 1991, Marvel revised the entire lineup of X-Men comic book titles centered on the launch of a second X-Men series simply titled X-Men. With the return of Xavier and the original X-Men to the team, the roster was split into two strike forces, Cyclops' blue team, chronicled in X-Men, and Storm's gold team in The Uncanny X-Men. The book, written by longtime X-Men writer Chris Claremont and artist Jim Lee, shout out, established two separate X-Men squads, the blue and gold teams. These groups formed the basis for the team as it appeared in the 90s X-Men The Animated Series. The gold team was comprised of Archangel, Colossus, Iceman, Jean Grey, Storm, and Bishop, while the blue team was Wolverine, Psylocke, Gambit, Rogue, Cyclops, Beast, and Jubilee. The teams would maintain their color divisions for a few years before that eventually faded into one larger team. The 90s era of X-Men doesn't really begin until the launch of X-Men Volume 2 Number 1, which to this day is still the best-selling comic book in history, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Moving on to the Morrison era, which begins in 2000 with Claremont returning to Marvel, who was put back on the primary X-Men titles during the Revolution revamp. He was later removed from the titles in 2001 yet again and created his spin-off series, Extreme X-Men. X-Men had its title changed to New X-Men and writer Grant Morrison took over. The book is often referred to as the Morrison era due to the drastic changes they made, beginning with E is for Extinction, where a new villain, Cassandra Nova, destroys Genosha, killing 16 million mutants. We also have the X-Men Reload era, the Messiah trilogy, Schism through Regenesis, the time-displaced original X-Men, Resurrection, and the Krakoan Age of X-Men, which we are currently in. On May 14, 2019, Marvel announced that they would cancel all the X-Men titles and relaunch the entire lineup. Jonathan Hickman gained full creative control and started with two rotating bi-weekly six-issue limited series called House of X and Powers of X. It was subsequently announced in July of 2019 at San Diego Comic-Con that there would be six new X titles as part of Marvel's Dawn of X campaign. Following the end of the X of Swords crossover, the sequel relaunch Reign of X encompasses a new era in the X titles. Destiny of X featured the second Krakoan Age of X-Men after the events of Inferno and X-Lives of Wolverine slash X-Deaths of Wolverine. Now, aside from the extensive comic book history of which I just barely scratched the surface, there are video games ranging from SNES and Commodore 64 releases in 1989 to cabinet scrollers and a new Wolverine game in the works for the PS5. There are animated series like the one James and I grew up watching in the 90s, multiple films in the 2000s and 2010s, as well as a crossover with Deadpool 3 coming out in 2024, not to mention action figures throughout the ages and a cult cosplay following. 
I'd love to get more into this side of the X-Universe, but that's a whole episode in and of itself, so I'll save the video game dive for an episode with Matt Franco on Now Loading, coming in 2023. Coming up next, we have an awesome interview with the very funny James Bosquez. We met up at Helium Comedy Club in Southeast Portland to talk about X-Men and comedy. Really, I should have been an old school yodeler. I can see, I, yeah, you got a radio voice for sure. And a radio face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, the, uh, that's the old thing. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, I just came back from Hackville. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, James, cheers, bud. Cheers, thank you, Reese. We're sat here at the bar in Helium Comedy Club, the premier comedy club in Portland, Oregon. Yeah, we just had a sold-out show uh, here on a Thursday night. So it's going to be a busy weekend, so... Who was on the bill? Tonight was Dan Cummins, who is, uh, if your podcast listeners probably may recognize the name, he does Time Suck. So yeah, he was here this weekend. Time Suck, yeah, that sounds like my work and everything else that keeps me from doing things that I want to actually do. That's what a podcast is. That's, yeah, exactly. that's, you know, whether you're listening or doing it, uh, creating it, it's, it's, it's a lot of time. But, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Very, that's very true. But there are worse ways to spend your time. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. There are definitely worse ways. Folks, the voice other than my own, this is James Boscos. Hey, how's it going? This is James Bosca. <laughs> there it is. James, thank you for joining. Uh, we are here to talk about X-Men. X-Men. You asked me, you approached me about uh, doing the show, and you asked me, what, what's something you have some knowledge in, sci-fi related? And I had to kind of scan for a little while, and I'm like, wait a second. I grew up in the 90s. Mm. The X-Men. That's what I, yeah, I know X-Men. 90s X-Men was my shit. Yeah. That is what I grew up in. I would say the animated series was the first one that I ever really paid attention to. For sure. Also, the cabinet games, whenever I would go to a place with my parents, like the gym or something like that, my parents went to this ultra 90s gym. Nice. And in the kids' room, there was like an N64, there was you know, Marvel vs. Capcom, there was Mortal Kombat, and then... X-Men. Uh, did, did they have, like, the X-Men cabinet, like the stand-up arcade? Yes, Was they it did. a four-player? Six... Four-player side-scroll. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, because, uh, yeah, back in the day, that that was one of the coolest arcade games you could come across. Because uh, some some of them has had them set up where it was double-screened, mm. and six players could play at once. Nice. It was one of the first, like, multiplayer games like that in the arcade. I think they have that at ground control. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The original, that's the one I played originally. And that was more with, like, the 80s X-Men, like, basically the giant size X-Men X-Men. Yes. Uh, which there's different eras of X-Men, obviously. Uh, I was more of the Jim Lee 90s X-Men reboot. Sure. But, uh, yeah, that was one of my first introductions to those characters was, yeah, that original cabinet. And uh, I remember just playing it so, so much just because, yeah, there was nothing like that at that time. Well, Mortal Kombat set it all off, but uh, yeah, yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah, that's that's for Street sure. Fighter first, and then but Mortal Kombat brought in all the gore and yeah, yeah, all that '90s. Everything was very '90s about that uh, era of video games, and uh, yeah, the X Men arcade was definitely one of those. Very similar to like the Simpsons arcade game, mm. which is a classic, also still to this day. Absolutely, just like having a bunch of people huddled around a game. I think they've remastered that twice. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like for different consoles. Yeah, I remember I beat the uh, the Simpsons arcade game once, uh, just front front to back. I did it with like five dollars in quarters, and it took me every last quarter. And I, I my mean, last quarter, I beat Mr. Burns, and that was a that's impressive, nonetheless. It was a it was a, it was a banner day for me. Yeah, it was good. I, let's just say I put way more than five dollars into games that I haven't beat <laughs> for so, sure. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. kudos to you. Nice. Uh, before we get too far into X Men, uh, James, what's your Instagram? 
Instagram is james.bosquez, which is my last name, B-O-S-Q-U-E-Z. So, uh, yeah, just James, period, Bosquez. Yep. Cool. Check out James on Instagram for announcements on shows and yeah, festival I, appearances. and I keep up on it pretty well. We're, uh, we're, yeah. de- we're going to definitely talk about Rip City Comedy Festival in a little bit because I want to hear all about that. A big undertaking that we're just getting into. But, yeah, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very exciting stuff. Nice. So, James, how did you get your start in stand-up comedy? And I'm going to follow up with what's it like working in the industry because yeah. you, you work in the comedy industry. Yeah. Well, uh, I was in college uh, studying journalism. Uh, I just, I, I was at community college. I hadn't, I, it took a while before I actually went to college, uh, out of high school. I just kind of worked. It was kind of aimless. And then I was like, all right, I'll go to college and do something. Start, started studying journalism. And, uh, the reason I did that is because I really wanted to write for the onion. Like mm-hmm. that was my, like <laughs> this dream I had, I wanted to write for the onion. Solid goal. Yeah. <laughs> and so I got into writing, uh, learning how a newspaper runs, all the stuff, doing the graphic design, doing the articles, doing interviewing, all that. And I submitted some packets to The Onion and got rejected because it's really hard to write for The Onion. Yeah, I would imagine. Uh, it's a very ex- exclusive type of uh, gig to get. But I realized I wanted my point of view out there more than anything. Uh, that's what I wanted. And so around 2010, I think it was. I was living in San Antonio, Texas. That's where I graduated high school. That's where I went to college. I was living there, and they opened up a new comedy club. It's still there to this day. It's called Laugh Out Loud Comedy Club. And I was like, hey, comedy, that's something I'm interested in. You know, I love stand-up. I had a buddy that I was still in touch with who had been doing stand-up even when we were in high school. So at this point, that had been a while, like eight, nine years. He called me up one day, and he's like, hey, man, uh, the comedy club that's opening up, they need a door guy. All right, that sounds like a fun gig. And so I showed up. They gave me the job on the spot. And, like, that one phone call changed the direction of my life, like, after that. That's awesome. Yeah. It's crazy how something like that can happen. Yeah. yeah. It was just one, just out of the blue. I answered that call and uh, got the job. And within, like, six months or so after the comedy club opened, I was watching people every night going up on stage. Within six months, I was like, oh, I think I can do this. I can at least try. And I did my first open mic. Uh, I think the club opened in October of 2009. I believe my first open mic was in March of 2010. So about, yeah, four or five months later. The whole thing, the whole reason I wanted to write for The Onion is because I wanted to get, like, my satire out there. I wanted to know people to know I was a smartass. Um, even in college, I, I did I made my own zine that was basically just a ripoff of The Onion. Nice. Where I wrote my fake articles and... Put it on one sheet of paper and gave it to my friends. It's a very you know. 2000s activity. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, that zine was called The Scoffing Citizen. That was my. That was the name of my little zine. Nice. I like that you call it a zine and not a, a blog. No, yeah, yeah. There, was a, there weren't blogs. I mean, there were blogs, but it was... No, I, I, I did have some... Here's how, how far back it goes. I printed my first articles, or I uh, published my first articles on LiveJournal. That's, oh, how far, wow. that's how far back it goes. Oh wow, yeah. That's, this deep. Was, that's deep cut right there. This is before even MySpace, I think. I think MySpace may have been concurrent with LiveJournal. Oh, poor Tom. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what he's up to. He still has friends, though. Probably dead. No. No? He's got a lot of money somewhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't know. But part of me, like, dreams that he pulled a John McAfee, you know? <laughs> yeah. He's just, like, on an island somewhere. Fucking yeah, shoot, yeah. Shooting off guns with that MySpace money that that's he's what I would do. In. Hell oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was like the era of like, um, I don't know if you're, how old are you? Uh, I'll be 33. In, in, 33. I'll be you're a little bit younger now. than me. 
Yeah, I'm 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 40. Uh, I don't know if you remember Makeout Club. That was mm. a thing back then. That's no. where it was basically like where all the emo kids, uh, and they still called themselves emo kids at the time. Mm-hmm. There was like their dating website, and it was just that era of the internet. It was when MySpace was first taken off. Everybody had a live journal. Everybody was part of Makeout Club. It was Makeout just, Club is such an emo sounding platform. It was hilarious. It was just yeah, it's exactly what you think. It's yeah. mid two thousands. Girls with uh, swooped hair, dyed black and pink, and guys that looked exactly the same. And I get it. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I had two Avril Lavigne albums. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. So yeah, I, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, like the first album that I bought from a Barnes and Noble. This is also this is very much dating this statement. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Was does this look infected by some forty? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah that's so I, we were speaking the same language. For yeah, sure. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I had that album. I, I was a little nice. more. Uh, punk rock myself but sure. i did i definitely had that album they some 40 the charm of some 41 did not pass me excellent yeah, yeah. so that was how i got in stand up uh <laughs> yeah, a long, yeah, long way around <laughs> i took a door, a door job at a comedy club i wanted to get my voice out and i started doing open mics and haven't stopped since well i can definitely tell that you're a 90s nerd because you were clad in triforce regalia I have I, a, i'm all four i mean i went right from ocarina of time into majora's mask Rent, renting my N64, and I, I think Majora's Mask fucks hard. Majora's Mask is the best game of all time. Okay. Uh, I will. Hot ass I will prove. Sweet Metroid shirt. <laughs> wearing a Metroid shirt, done up like Slayer. Very and nice. I am showing Reese right now my Woo! Majora's Mask tattoo that Indeed. I have. <laughs> the moon is close, folks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's, uh, it's, it's the eve of the third day. That is badass. Yeah. Is that a little bit of a Jason influence here with like the half hockey mask. No, 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 no I know that's how uh, it is, but I, how it is. Yeah. No, it's um it's a it's scary fucking mess. Always creep me out. Yeah, yeah. big time. But uh, well, yeah. kudos to you. Yes, for... I'm very 90s. Yeah, I'm yeah. A, a big Zelda guy. Nice. And uh yeah, big X-Men guy. I fell off at Wind Waker. Wind Waker was too easy. Mm. That was the problem with it. Mm. It was it was a beautiful game, but it was too easy. Beautiful game. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I did kind of slam through it. That's why Majora's Mask is so good cuz it's hard. Yeah. And it's frustrating and it's yes. you have to pay attention and i think it's one of the most well written games of all time so it's a thick-ass game manual yeah or guide rather yeah back when you still had guides yeah. you had to get the guides you couldn't go online had to get the guide yeah yeah so james what was your first exposure to science fiction then i think the first real sci-fi movies i saw were some of like the cheesy late 80s movies sure Love um them. earth girls are easy mm. my stepmother's an alien mm. I, my stepmother is an alien. It had uh, so that's a Dan Aykroyd, Kim Basinger movie, mm-hmm. and uh, Kim Basinger was my like uh, sexual awakening. I think I was probably like, seven or eight years old, and I saw her. It's a solid one. And I was like, "Yeah, Kim Basinger. Yeah, uh, that's a uh, that's what that is. That's yeah. that's a lady." <laughs> you know, when you say Earth Girls are easy, Gina Davis was one of mine. Gina Davis is gorgeous. Gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, I loved her back in, back in the eighties, nineties. Oh, yeah. Lots of hot broads and aliens. <laughs> yeah, other than that, I had the you know the of course I grew up on Star Wars, ET. Sure. My brother was a big Star Wars guy. He, my brother's five years older than me, so he had all the toys when we were growing up. Nice. Um, my my toys were typically more GI Joe, uh, whereas he had all the He Man, Star Wars toys, okay, and Transformers stuff like that. So yeah, Transformers also a big part of my sci fi background. So. I'm a product of the 80s. What do you want? Yeah. You know, yeah, <laughs> I was born in totally. 1981. Like, I got all that 80s stuff. Uh, yeah, it was just hand-fed to me every morning, Saturday it's great, morning. It's great stuff. Yeah. It's great stuff. I, w- I made the 80s by five days. Oh, nice, yeah. nice. 89, okay. And the Coke was so much better back then. Yeah, you know. You know, it's a new Coke. It's what you're talking about, right? Oh, uh, well, yep. 
I, I remember the Coke Pepsi challenge. Kept, but yeah, the challenge. Yeah, yeah, that was the whole thing. I remember Clear Pepsi. Clear Pepsi, I, I took a six-pack to my, I think it was like third grade. It was like the end of school party. And I made sure that they kept one Crystal Pepsi for me. Put, can you put my name on this one? Because I want one of these for sure. And they're like, yes, James, we can. We'll hold a Crystal Pepsi for you. Oh, that's, that's very nice. I'm, yeah. I'm glad they held the Crystal Pepsi. All the other moms were bringing in like trays of cupcakes and pizza. And my mom was like, well, I can send you with one six pack of Crystal Pepsi. Yeah. Well, that, that was my contribution. Nice. There are, there are worse contributions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody else wanted those other five. When it was time for us to bring foods from around the world based on our home life Oh, ethnicity. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm Dutch and Jewish, mm-hmm. and my mother didn't really want to make anything Jewish, like latkes or what have you. Sure. So my father was like, you know what you should bring? Pickled herring with mm-hmm. raw diced white onions. No. <laughs> and that was my contribution. Did it to... Did it, did it uh, fly off the, off the, off the shelves there? Did, did the kids love it? I, I think they kept it in the room next door, like in the Tupperware they still. They the smell right. like, seeping in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. Yeah, no, I get it, that. it was very embarrassing. So at least you didn't get like a very pungent ethnic food that you, you brought with you. you know I, mean? like, I think maybe I brought tacos one time. Maybe I don't know. Well, everybody loves tacos. Yeah, exactly. If you hate tacos, you're not American. Yeah, that's an American food. Yeah, man. absolutely. What was your first exposure to X Men? Because I know, like, obviously, growing up in the '90s, like the the cabinet games, the uh, animated series. Comic books? Did you, did you? The first real exposure was um, my, so my brother, five years old with me. He's a big influence on me, also. Because you would have grown up with comic books. Yeah. yeah. So I think it was uh, the Jim Lee. I should have done my. I should have got my dates. Whenever the Jim Lee, uh, the relaunch happened, where X Men number one came out, the mm-hmm. Jim Lee version of X Men. Um, that was. I mean, it's the most printed comic book of all time. X Men number one is, which I'm pretty sure still holds true. Though the marketing blitz that Marvel did with X-Men number one coming out, X-Force number one coming out, they got a new team for the Uncanny X-Men, and then the other uh, X-Factor got a new team. So all four of those books uh, all relaunched at once. And my brother, who had just started working, I think he was 15 or 16 at the time, he just started getting a paycheck, so he was like buying all these comics and bringing them home. And yes, I'm like, as a 33-year-old man, I can identify with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm like 10, 11 years old, and all of a sudden I have all these cool comic books in front of me. And with this beautiful art, Jim Lee to this day is one of my favorite artists of all time. And all these characters that I really – I'd seen like Iceman before. I'd seen Wolverine before. But all these other new characters, Gambit and mm-hmm. Rogue and Psylocke and Colossus, all these characters I hadn't really – Shout out Colossus. That's my boy right there. That's your guy? That's, that's my guy. Yeah. He's, he's a good one. We're going to get there. We're <laughs> yeah. going to get there. Sorry, I had to shout out my boy, though. Um, just all these cool characters, and then, like, you know, uh, the villains, and then that was like, the, and then X Force was a brand new team of all new characters Cable and, uh, you know, Warpath, Shatterstar, all these guys. Deadpool came out around that time, yep. too. Um, the Rob Liefeld, the one true contribution to comics that Rob Liefeld did was he created Deadpool and Cable. So him creating those two characters was. That was huge. Super stoked for not 2023, but 2024. Did you see the announcement for Deadpool 3 crossover with, with Wolverine Hugh and Jackman's Professor X? And that, yeah, yeah, Hugh Jackman. Yeah. We're going to get to whether or not Hugh Jackman was a good Wolverine. Okay. Unless you want to give me a hot take right now. No, we can get to there. Okay, we'll, we'll get, get there. there. Okay. Yeah. And it's funny because I recently looked back on the run of comics that I paid attention to. And it was only about three years or so. It was just like, you know, me going from my adolescence, just from like 10 to like 13, 14, 
just that narrow window is when I really paid attention to all that stuff. And that still stuck with me now, what, 27 years later, I'm 40 now, like all these years later, I still love those characters. And it just goes to show like there was a reason that I gravitated towards uh, X-Men. Like there was something about the persecution of mutants was really stoked something in me. Cause like I was a pretty sensitive kid. Like uh, mm. uh, I, I am, I'm Mexican. I grew up in Texas. I was around mostly white kids um, where I, the place I was. And they were all cool to me. I wasn't, like, picked on or anything, but I always felt, like, a little different. And something about the way the mutants were different. And there was something about that, like, reached out to me. Absolutely. Well, like you said, Texas has had a pretty bad PR problem for the last two, three hundred years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I can imagine growing up in what should be your own territory of Mexican descent. Yeah, yeah. Getting shit from the establishment. Yeah. And and being able to relate. And, and that's something that I gleaned as well from X-Men is that they deal with a, a lot of complex issues mm -hmm. from a number of perspectives. Sure. And, and I think that is what rings true the most with the fan base. And the thing that I liked about that is, like, uh, all the Avengers, they get their powers through some some method. The thing about the X-Men is they're born that way. And there's mm -hmm. just the whole being born the way they're born. I mean, Stanley knew what he was doing. Obviously, that was the whole... The X-Men came out in the 60s. I mean, it was it was an allegory for civil rights. It's, it's, Absolutely. Obviously. Yeah. But maybe he got shit for that back in the day. Maybe it was preachy. Maybe it was woke or whatever. Guess what? Third, you know, thirty years later, some little kid was reading those books and was like, "Oh, this relates to me." That's why stuff like that's important, you know. It's why I'll show my niece yeah. X Men mm -hmm. when she's you know of appropriate age. Yeah, be because I'm sure that there are characters that should be like, "Oh, I identify with that exactly. for whatever one reason or another." All the character they they did such a good job. Uh, X Men has always done such a good job with having diversity and it's not crammed down your throat. It's just like the way it is, you know. And there's always there's there's a character for everybody to relate to and. I guess, you know, part of like my upbringing or how I was raised, just being able to see that and knowing that that was something that was worth paying attention to. Absolutely. So let, let's get down to the nitty gritty. All right. Who's your favorite character? I always bounce back and forth between two. Um, and I mean, it's for similar reasons, but it's Beast and uh, Nightcrawler. And I think it's because they're both outwardly not what they are inwardly, you know? And Absolutely. It goes yeah. more to that whole thing where, you know, Beast, obviously, his name's Beast. He looks like a monster. He's the most intelligent X-Men besides Xavier, basically. Right, yeah. Um, something about that... I mean, so, he was a professor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Something about that, like, the whole not judging a book by its cover thing, like, uh, you know, me as a little kid, like, I saw that, and I was like, oh, I, I, these, are, these are morals that I get as, at, a, at a young age. These are things that I can take with me and make myself a better person by understanding these characters, you know? Totally. And same thing with Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler looks like a demon. He's the most devout religious X-Men of all of them, you know? His story arc's very Faustian insofar as that, you know, he is devout. He has this outward appearance of a demon. His powers, though, he doesn't use for mischievous games. Mm, which he easily could do. He yeah. easily could do. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's such an interesting juxtaposition of, and you see it time and time again when people, when new characters encounter Nightcrawler, like, what the fuck is that? Mm -hmm. And then when they come to interact with him more, it, you kind of see the selflessness of the character. And he doesn't use his, his powers like... And he's funny. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't use his powers like uh, uh, you know, uh, I guess willy nilly excessively or anything. He uses his powers when he has to. Right. And every time he does, like, it's because he's saving someone's life or something. Like, it's, uh, it's, like you said, he's kind of a pious character. Like, he's constantly trying to, like, uh, prove to the world that he's 
not the monster he looks like, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that he, he does that not only for the sake of showing that mutants aren't all bad, but also for, you know, like he's doing it for his own self-realization. Yeah. A, a lot of his actions throughout various story arcs are altruistic. When he pops in and out in the movies... Uh, I, I love the smoke that gets left behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love what movies have brought to the table with the digital aspect. That For sure, you you have you you see these features in comics, but like it, it's the difference between reading Watchmen and seeing Watchmen, between reading X Men and watching X Men movies, yeah. which have only gotten better and will continue to do so. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I mean, for the same reason that, like, the early 2000s Fantastic Four, Hulk, <laughs> and X-Men movies are not considered, like, like we just put those away in a vault. Yeah, and we yeah, don't really yeah. talk about those too much. But it, well, it was that's cool also the thing. Like, X-Men 2, which is where, when Nightcrawler was introduced, but with uh, Alan, uh, what's his name, Alan Cummings played him? I believe mm. that's his name. Like, that's considered one of the best X-Men movies. And it's mostly because of his performance. Like, the, Nightcrawler, yes. the character of Nightcrawler in that movie is, is awesome. Yes, yeah, and... Uh, and his wardrobe's on P. Yeah, yeah. he's great. Wardrobe's on point. <laughs> so, Beast and Nightcrawler are your favorites? Beast and Nightcrawler. And I, yeah, me, personally, I, I have to identify with Colossus. Colossus? I, yeah, that's my boy right there. That's yeah, my, yeah. my fellow big guy. Yeah, sure. Uh, super into him. My first X-Men love, though, was oh. Gambit. That, I was about to bring that up. The Gambit was what kind of made liking X-Men okay. It made it cool. Very cool. Because... Even the girls like Gambit. Like that duster was cool. Yeah, he looked awesome. He, he was, looked awesome. He was very nineties. He yes. still is very nineties. Oh yes. Yeah. yeah, but he looked like he, he was. Like, yeah, like I remember my little sister. She would be like, "Yeah, what are you guys watching?" And then we show her one. She would identify with the girls because there's so many female characters in, in X Men. So she would like she was she was interested because of the of the women. Yeah. And then also she saw Gambit. She's like, "Oh, he's cool." Yeah. He just looks cool. He just looks. He's got cool. the accent. Yes. He throws cards. I mean, they're not. It's not the best power, but. I <laughs> dressed as Gambit once. That's for awesome. You Halloween. could you make a good Gambit. Thank you. You're tall. You got long hair. Yeah. Could rock it. Yeah, yeah. I threw a card in class. Wait, and, oh, this is like in high school? No, I wish. I, <laughs> I wish I was that cool in high school. No, this is in like elementary school. Oh, okay, it's like fifth grade. Okay, good, cool. So I, I threw a card, and it was like the first time I successfully thrown a sure. card at anything, or rather, anyone. Because I, of course, poked a kid in the uh, eye with the fucking thing. You're a great gambit, then. Awesome. Right? <laughs> my aim was on point. I, I'm surprised I didn't get called up to the X-Men right then and there. You, did, you get, a, did you get in trouble? I, oh, of course. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I uh, I had to like write an apology to the kid. Oh, and wow. um, yeah, also, uh, shout out Kitty Pride. Uh, Pride's Kitty, great. Kitty Pride's awesome. Love a good phasing ability. Uh, Plus, all we of the were... other like stages. See, like that's like... When you get into, like, later canon and lexicon of, like, different, like, properties, you have to expand. So, like, her Omega phase and stuff like that, like, it, it's it's super cool to see the, the further development and, like, how far the tendrils of various story arcs go. I'm really glad that they, they really ran with that character, and they've given yeah. her a lot to do over the years. Yeah. Because she could have easily just been, like, kind of an 80s throwaway character. Because sure. there's a lot of X-Men like that. Her powers are awesome. She has. She's always had cool costumes. She has had so many different ones. And her little gargoyle gremlin. Lockheed. Yeah, Lockheed. He's a dragon. Thank you. Dragon. He's oh, yep. Yes. Alien. Is he an alien? I can't remember if he's from a different dimension or not. I can't remember. His name is Lockheed, though. He rules. Little purple dragon. It's all mutant to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but that's a different question, though. Yeah. Best power. Ooh. Okay. 
Storm, easily. Storm has the best powers. I'm going to need you to back that up. The ability to control the weather that... I mean, okay. It's badass. Don't get me wrong. She's a goddess. She can control the wind. She can control the, the tides. She can control the... Yeah, everything. She is a goddess on Earth. And I know that she is, may not be as powerful as, say, like uh, Jean Grey or Professor X, as far as like tel- the telepaths. They have their powers different. But as far as like what she can do, I think she's she has the best powers. Okay. Yeah. I can respect that. Yeah. She also looks awesome in that outfit. Yes, I agree. Halle Berry is a goddess. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm not a big fan of Halle Berry Storm. I'm uh, talking more of the uh, the the cartoon Storm. I, yes. I love that uh, iteration of her. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I, when when the eyes go white, yeah, very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very great. cool. Um, yeah, you, you always know that shit's going down when Storm whips one up. Yeah, and everybody respects her. She's yes. pragmatic. She's a great yes. leader. That's true. She's probably, like, probably one of the most level-headed yeah. leaders in the history. Because like, if you look like look at people like Cyclops. Oh, he's gone crazy so many times. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. He loses his head all the time. Jean Grey can't be can't tra- trust her. Can't trust her. <laughs> uh, Logan, yeah. Wolverine fucks off yeah. more often than not. I mean, but it, I do love me some Wolverine. Well, yeah, he's the guy. Best powers wise, though. Because, like, if you were to... That's your best powers guy? Adamantium and, and the ability to regenerate so quickly. Regeneration. I mean, like, Adamantium, well, he wasn't born with, though. That was Adam. No, that's true. Yeah. The, the regeneration part, and that, that's why he was given the adamantium skeletal mm-hmm. structure vampiting. But just to be able to take a bullet in the temple <laughs> and come back from it is... I, I mean, it, it's too bad that Deadpool isn't... I guess he's an honorary X-Men. Yeah, he's he's yeah he's yeah unofficial. Unofficial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are there are a few unofficial. There's a lot of unofficial. Yeah. Lists. <laughs> I, would, yeah. I, I looked at the list yesterday. There's a lot, but there are a lot of X Men in general. Mm-hmm. You think they'll ever get to X people? Uh, I think we're there now. I think everyone they're all X people now. Okay, but I mean as a title, <laughs> maybe we've had what you like a title of a book or a title of the general. General oh, do you, do you, instead yeah. of X Men, they, they, right. they would change it to more inclusive. Uh, I don't know. I think people like the name X Men. It's just a cool name. Sure. Yeah, I, I agree. I, and I don't mean to ask that question pedantically. Yeah, yeah, I, like, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like, do no, you, it's, like, it's a yeah. legit question. Yeah. 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 No, sh- I, shifting with the times. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't think so. I, I think people respect what what X Men. I think entails. the property has taken as a whole a stance to be more inclusive. It's always been that. It's like right, it's yeah, ever, yeah, right. Yeah. I, I mean, right. Like you said, as mm-hmm. in its impetus, it, it addresses yeah. the fact that like people are born differently, yeah. and yeah, like that that is something that should coexist within society. Yeah. Well, they did this with like Generation X back in the late night or mid mid to late nineties, mm. like a team of like teen X Men, maybe calling them like X them or something like that. Oh, I mean that's and that's not me even making a joke. I think I could actually no. sell. <laughs> I, I actually don't hate the title X them. Yeah, yeah, and it because they. I mean, there's what X Force, X Factor, X Caliber. Uh, there's the worst X Men. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which so that kind of brings me to my next question. Like, do you have like a least favorite character, and if so, why? I mean, all the classic X Men are pretty dope. Um, well, I, I, you, Cyclops we can... is kind of a he's kind of a dick. Yeah. He, he does have cool, he does have cool powers, and the fact that his eye beams come from a different dimension, mm. which is something maybe not a lot of people know. Like, uh, his, I, I, I his, don't think I realized that. No, no, his 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 eyes are actually portals to a different dimension. That's where the uh, the blasts come from. No shit. And that's his actual power. Yeah. Oh. 
So that's pretty cool. But he's such a f- dick, man. He is. He's he, he. I mean, Cyclops gets a lot of hate just for like the typical reasons. Him being the you know Leonardo of the group, uh, which is the worst <laughs> Ninja Turtle. Also, uh, that's a, that is a fact. That's a science factual fact. Yeah. But um, as far as like, I mean, there's a lot of lame X-Men that don't really get written in uh, as often. You know what? I'll go with the villain just to make it easier. Okay. Ar- Arcade sucks. That guy's lame. No. Do you know Arcade? He's a he's a wannabe Joker. He's he's pretty bad. I don't I don't know if I I've, I'm too familiar. He's with... an '80s villain. He wears okay. a suit. He's got orange hair. Okay. I don't like him. That sounds like an '80s. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's basically got like a fun house that he puts the X Men through and. Oh, okay. Yeah, Arcade's a lame villain. All but, right. But you know, I'm sure they've done something cool with him at some point. I haven't read all the books. I'll make sure to not look into it. <laughs> um, yeah. No. Uh, I would say for me, like I Boy. There's a guy named iBoy? There's a guy named iBoy. Okay, damn. Which is quite... Because I was looking through a list of, like, the worst X-Men. Like, X-Men is one of those things where you can look up interesting facts about X-Men and a thousand articles are going to pop up. I right? was going to spring this on you later, in the, but I think it fits in perfectly right now. Okay. Um, I was going to name these X-Men, and you tell me whether they're real or not. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and if they are real, what's their actual power? So I'll just go through a couple of them. Okay. All right. Is... Maggot, a real X-Men. Yes. Do you know his power? I. He has a pet He's maggot? Two pet two maggots. Pe- okay. And he can throw them at people and they can like suck their life force or something. I don't know. So it's like an ego-id kind of combo. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's like, these are all like later iterations of, or these are all like more recent. These are all like 2000 and later. Okay. Uh, so yeah, there's Maggot, which just the name's not great. No, not a good one. No. Yeah. Okay. So Pretty yeah. on the nose. He's, uh, he's a real, all right, that's a real one. Uh, ecstasy. Do you know is she a real expert? I know that she's real in my heart. The last time I went to Lucky Devil. <laughs> um, <laughs> good. No, good. I, 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 I prefer gonna, sassies. I'm gonna say no. Ecstasy was her name originally. Her name is now Stacy X. I guess ecstasy oh. was a little too much. Okay. Also, it was with an X. Stacy X. Uh, Stacy hyphen Stacy. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Now she's known as Stacy X. Uh, her power is that she. Uh, can use her pheromones to make people uncontrollably either vomit, uh, gain adrenaline rushes, or orgasm. It's a real character. You know, it, she'd be pushing all three. I do all three at the same time. So. <laughs> <laughs> she also has snake skin. Uh, she's like, a, yeah, she's okay. a very strange character. Stacy X. Stacy X. Okay. Or Ecstasy. I have more homework to do, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is Gold Balls a real character? No. Gold Balls is a real character. <laughs> Guess what he does? He hurls gold balls at people? Yep. Oh. Out of his stomach. He shoots gold oh. balls out of his stomach. Nice. Like out of the belly button? Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a little portly guy. Okay. Uh, and apparently, uh, he doesn't go by the name Gold Balls anymore. Apparently, they thought that was a little a little too much. And now, I can't, uh, his, he's got a new name. But apparently he's one of the most important X-Men in the universe right now because he can uh, rebirth X-Men. His gold balls are actually eggs, which he can resurrect X-Men in. That is useful. Yeah. He became like an alpha-level mutant. You know who is going to go 100 for 100 on this? Who's it? Jamie Carbone. Carbone was. Yeah, totally. 100%. (laughs) All right. So, yeah, gold balls was, uh, is, and... Very valuable X-Men. Yeah, very valuable. Been very important over the last uh, decade or so. 
Okay, forget me not. I'm going to go with my, like, I'm, I'm, right now I'm betting like I'm at the tracks. And I'm going to go with that is not an X-Men. It's an X-Men. God damn it. Okay. <laughs> They're all X-Men. All right. I, 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 was kind of, I was thinking that that was going to be the case. All right. Okay, Forget Me Not is interesting. Yeah. Let's hear about Forget Me Not. Forget Me Not uh, has, he was introduced in the last decade, I, was, I think. I, I forgot what date it was. But apparently Forget Me Not has been an X-Men this whole time. His power is that the instant you stop seeing him, you forget he exists. So oh, he is. A, I didn't know that they made an X Men about me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did see your set last uh, Friday at the Funhouse, and I was. Well, yeah, you know, we won't talk about it. It's okay. Okay. Yeah. That's good. That's good. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Reese is very funny. Forget me not. He apparently has been there for all of their major battles. Uh, he's been there the entire time. He's always been an X Men, but he doesn't exist because none of them can remember him. The dude who wrote this character. Was shit, probably a stand-up comic. Shit his pants. He was like, this is such a good character. That is a great character. That's yeah. A, that's a fucking fantastic character because you can write him into so He's many a scenarios. Uh, what's, what's, like literally do, every... Dos Ex Machina? I don't know. Dos Ex Machina? Dos yeah. Ex Machina. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he is. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime you need something, it's him. Yes. The only X-Men that knew he existed was Professor X. Uh, Afi. Because if... Professor X actually had to set a mental timer... To remind himself that Forget Me Not was a real X-Men, and he was on the team, and he actually exists. I'm going to be so sad when Patrick Stewart dies. Yeah, and then no one's going to remember Forget Me Not. <laughs> well, that's I, well. look, I'm going to put that one in, in the plus category for me, because his his power obviously works. I didn't remember yeah, it at all. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. After this podcast, we're all going to forget he exists. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but look him up. He's a... It's one of the most, because I was looking for the most obscure X-Men I could find, and I came across this guy. Yeah, he's been there for all the fight. He's been there for all of them. None, no one can remember him. And uh, there's a story, there's a one issue of him where it's all about him. And it's actually kind of sad and heartwarming and touching. I, I can see that being a sad story. Yeah. It's, it's like being the invisible man yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. It, it, I can see that complex. All right, so you have one more. Are you going to give me the opportunity to say whether or not I think it's a real X-Men or not? Uh, yes, this one is called The Open Micer. I'm going to say that's a real X-Men. It's not a real X-Men. Oh, it's not a real X-Men. Oh, His fake power is that he has unearned confidence. That's what The Open Micer has. <laughs> the Open Micer is not a real X-Men. <laughs> I want to be able to say that I know the exact number of X-Men... Well, but there's it, a lot of gray area, too. There is. So yeah, that, that's yeah. a good point. And you, we were talking about unofficial X-Men earlier. Mm -hmm. I think that the beauty of X-Men is that it is an ever-changing landscape. For sure. And that it will continue to address social issues, hopefully, as it has since its inception. And, I, you know, I, I thank you for bringing X-Men to the table because, A, not only is this the first Marvel property that Science oh, really? Actual is covered. Nice. Because we've done plenty of DC. Uh, but you know, this, I would say is one of the staples of Marvel, not only in longevity, but as you said, it's the most printed comic book yeah. in existence. X-Men number, number one, the Jim Lee version. Yeah. Also shout out major. I haven't said this yet, but major shout out Jim Lee, oh. uh, fucking epic. Yeah. He's, to me, he's still my favorite comic book artist of all time. I mean, I know it's because that he, it was, I was at the right age at the right time, but like. 
His his art's beautiful. I think it goes beyond nostalgia. Mm-hmm. I, I think the the value of the style of art that he brought to the era mm-hmm. is persistent. Yeah. Because when you like, you know, whenever I see articles of like Wolverine throughout the years, you see all of these different suits that he wears. The most iconic ones are that stint of Jim Lee's yeah. like influence. So. Typically, with with most of the all the toys I had were yeah. were based off. Of I mean, his all the all the yeah. all the uh, the cartoon toys or all the yeah. cartoon characters were based off Jim Lee's uh, yeah. art style. Um, yeah, he's just the quintessential version of all those characters were the Jim Lee versions. So I asked you this before, <laughs> and we kind of skated past it because I feel like you have some pretty hard feelings about this. But is Hugh Jackman the good Wolverine? Hugh Jackman is a great Wolverine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, he's he. Uh, I, I happen to agree with you. Yeah. No. A, yeah. a lot of people hate on Hugh Jackman. I don't see why. I don't, I don't the fact see why that he's either. tall. That's right. the only thing I could see why. But that, like, that, and that is usually the start of the argument. Mm-hmm. He's too yeah. tall to be Wolverine. Wolverine's supposed to be like five three. Who cares? Yeah. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Whatever. It's a it's a movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. He did a great job. Uh, you know, everybody. He was pretty much unknown when they first made the when they made the first movie, and I think he proved in that first movie he was the best part of the first movie. Oh, hands down. Yeah. Hands down. It definitely and wasn't Storm saying, do you know what happens to a toad when it gets struck by lightning? The same thing that happens to everything else. Maybe the worst line of dialogue <laughs> ever written in any movie. Perhaps. It might be. Yeah, it might be. That's true. Which is why I'm not a big fan of the Halle Berry Storm. Mm. <laughs> I don't know why we still haven't gotten a good Gambit, because the one the Gambit was in the Wolverine movie for like a minute. I want to see a Gambit series. Yeah, like, Chang like, Tame said he'd play him. I don't want Chang Tame to play Gambit, but like somebody wants, there's, there's interest. I could see Channing Tatum. Yeah, I'd rather have someone else. Sure, but people love Gambit. I don't know if you stick him in the Deadpool franchise or what. Are you? I would love to see that. Would be a great duo. Although Deadpool and Spider Man are BFFs, yeah. so that's. It. I'm surprised that that's not the next direction that they're going. Well, after you saw. Uh, the newest Doctor Strange when they yes. inter- introduce Patrick Stewart as Professor X. Right. That opens up everything. That was a huge reveal. Did you catch that whenever he rolled in? They played the uh, the X-Men cartoon theme song. Oh, I didn't. I didn't I'll, have to, I'll have to go back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They play really faintly in the background. Ah, I'll, I'll definitely have to yeah, yeah. go back and review that because I, I saw it once in theaters, so I haven't I haven't had the chance to go back and oh, do nice. it super. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, when I that happened, that. like I had an idea that it was going to happen because I think it was, they teased it in one of the previews, but they didn't actually show them. But when that happened, like it was one of the most excited I've been watching a Marvel movie in a long time, like basically since like Infinity War. Like I hadn't been that excited seeing a Marvel movie since since then. The Black Bolt's death. Ah, oh, that's pretty good. Was so metal. <laughs> it was fucking. It was quite possibly that my whole favorite. scene was great. Uh, it was very much a. They saw that it worked in Deadpool two when they killed off his whole team, mm. and then they're like, "Ah, we can do that in this movie." It was well worth it. Oh yeah, it was yeah, fucking, yeah, it was, yeah. It was. It was probably one of my favorite recent kills. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, and I like that how that Doctor Strange movie was almost a horror movie. Like they could get away with stuff like that, and it felt right. Yes. Because it was the same Raimi movie. You know, it's... It had kind of a um, cartoonish feel to oh, it, yeah, plot-wise. Sure. Yeah, Which I, I kind of liked. It yeah. felt more like a comic book as opposed to an action hero movie. Uh, it wasn't as serious as a lot of the other movies have taken themselves over the last, like, few years. Absolutely. And, yeah. uh... I, I like it as a standalone story, even of itself. Although it does tie in. Yeah. It, it is a good arc. 
yeah. by itself. We I mean, have zombie Doctor Strange at one point. It's great. It is badass. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's very cool. Um, James, tell me what's coming up in your comedy schedule. I have a show next Saturday, which I can't tell you about. Okay, because mm. we don't we tell don't. We people don't tell. about that show. No, we don't. So we don't tell them. That's the first rule <laughs> of don't tell. I don't know what you're talking about. I Next Saturday, it's going to be somewhere in Portland. Uh, we've got that coming up. Um, I'm going to be doing Faded in January, I believe, which is a local showcase. I'll be here at Helium doing guest spots and last-minute hosting gigs here, which happens very often. Big thing is uh, in May, me and one of the other uh, employees here at Helium are working on uh, the Rip City Comedy Festival. We're trying to bring back a A-level festival here in Portland. Uh, we got some pretty big names associated with it already. Um, we're still trying to lock down venues and get all that. Once we get the venues and we know how many shows we have, then we know how many comics we can get. Uh, I encourage people, if you're a comic, to uh, apply uh, Rip City Comedy Fest. Just look that up, and it'll, it'll take you to the right link. Absolutely. Also on IG at Rip City Comedy Fest. Uh, definitely looking forward to that in 2023 because yes. I mean we have a lot of we have a great comedy community here, but ha having that top tier comedy fest, you know, being represented in Portland because Portland is a comedy town. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's one of the it's best it's a, comedy towns in the country. I agree, yeah. and I've I've gone through the ringer in a number of scenes. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, like Portland is such a beautiful community, and I look forward to seeing another awesome fest. You know, uh, on the books for sure. So yeah, uh, we're gonna do our best. It's gonna be our first time. Both of us. Uh, the main producer his name is uh, Joe Bukowski. It's his. He's done a lot of corporate uh, events before. This is his first time doing a comedy festival. So we will see. It's gonna be a lot of growing pains, but we're gonna do our best. And we have some great venues already lined up. The Get Down is a great venue here in Portland. Love the Get Down. That'll be the hub, the central hub, and there'll, there'll be uh, venues around there. We're trying to work with Helium Comedy Club to <laughs> secure a show here. Um, as far as comics, uh, we're looking at uh, Curtis Cook is going to be, he's a, he started here in Portland. Uh, looking at other names that we're still <laughs> negotiating with right now. But, uh, and then it's going to be a lot of local Portland ta talent. So, very cool. It's going to be dope. I will say, my most underrated X Men, uh, a guy I really like that I don't think gets as much love as he, he should, Strong Guy. Strong Guy rules. Okay. Are you, uh, yeah, I have, and I relate with Strong Guy a lot because, uh, He's the big, lovable, always joking guy, but he's hurting inside, you know? Oh. His heart doesn't work right. Hmm. He literally had a heart attack and then almost died. So, hmm. <laughs> so he's one of those old-timey strong guys. He's our dad's, our grandfather's. Right, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's like barrel, but also might happen to be able to lift you up over his head yeah, without exactly. any effort. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Solid, yeah. Nice. yeah. Strong guy rules. I, I think he's an under eight expert. I love that dude. Nice. Well, a strong guy could be on my team anytime. Yeah, hell yeah. Right on. All right, thanks for having me, Reese. Cool. Always a fun time over at Helium. Make sure to check out the weekly comedy open mic there on Tuesdays with signups at 7.30 and go to portland.heliumcomedy.com for general tickets and show dates. <laughs> Since X-Men is such an expansive property, I have to focus on just one water cooler fact for you this episode, and it has to do with the fact that X-Men is technically the most popular comic book franchise of all time. 
Thanks again to James for bringing that fact to my attention. X-Men number one, released on August 20th, 1991, is famous for being the best-selling comic ever that we have hard data on, with close to eight times more issues sold than its second-place challenger. That runner-up slot goes to Star Wars number one from 2015. Written by longtime Uncanny X-Men writer Chris Claremont and drawn by Jim Lee and Scott Williams, X-Men Volume 2's first issue was a seismic jolt to the comic book industry. The first issue of the second X-Men series sold more comics than any other single issue before or since, and it helped turn Marvel's mutant team from something only comic book reading nerds knew about into a true multimedia phenomenon. It might be the most important single issue of mainstream comics of the modern era. There's never been anything quite like the early 90s in American comics since the early 90s, and that's for many disparate reasons, but the most relevant one here is what's known as the spectacular boom. With the mainstream eye on comic book collecting thanks to the success of films like Batman and books like The Dark Knight Returns, news outlets started reporting on comics from the juiciest angle they could find. How much you could sell your old comics for. Also, check out my boy Sims Guy Comics on Whatnot for Minty Mondays. He has some awesome variants available to you nerds out there, so definitely go check out his shows on Monday nights. The lure of finding a copy of Action Comics number one and turning it around for over a million dollars gripped many people, and comics companies played into it, hyping big events, new costumes, first appearances, character deaths, and first issues, as not just narratively exciting, but literally valuable. Of course, the value in issues like Action Comics number one and Amazing Fantasy number 15 is that nobody knew that Superman and Spider-Man were going to be hits, and so almost nobody went to the trouble of producing, buying, or preserving many copies of their first appearances. Those books are therefore rare and are considered valuable. And that's what everybody thought was going to happen with X-Men number one, which shipped in staggered installments over five weeks with five different covers. Four of the covers, if collected, could be laid side by side to form a single wide mural, and the final version, which had no ads, cost extra, and had a double gatefold cover uh, that could be unfolded to show the full image, was drawn by fan favorite, then young and up-and-coming superstar artist Jim Lee. Retailers pre-ordered over 8.1 million copies of issue number one, generating and selling nearly $7 million, though retailers probably sold closer to 3 million copies making it, according to Guinness Book of World Records, the best-selling comic book of all time. Guinness presented honors to Claremont at the 2010 San Diego Comic-Con. What that all boils down to is that it's everywhere in the collector's market. And today, you'd be lucky to get a dollar for your copy of the best-selling American single-issue comic book of all time. I'd like to thank the many sources I used for today's episode, including Nerdist.com, Polygon.com, Fandom.com, Medium.com, Vox.com, ScreenRant.com, Ranker.com, and of course, Wikipedia.com. Because if it's on Wikipedia, it was uploaded as part of a misinformation campaign by the Deep State. Although, I will say that the main Wikipedia article pertaining to X-Men is thick and informative, bub. I'm stoked for next week's episode, not only because I get to sit down with Salem comic Jeff Parks, who is super awesome, but we're going to be discussing the Paper Girls television series and comic book origins before the comedy open mic at Infinity Room in downtown Salem, which is one of my favorite venues in Oregon. Check that episode out airing Tuesday, December 13th from 8 to 9 a.m. only on Shady Pines Radio.
Visit us online at ShadyPinesRadio.com or download the very free Shady Pines Radio app for iOS and Android for 24-7 access to amazing content from Portland and beyond. You can support Science Factual by supporting Shady Pines Radio with a donation to their Patreon page. You get even more exclusive access to live shows, merch, and more. Go get that merch, y'all. Before we head on out of here, check out this super funny set from James over at Helium. Enjoy! Some of you guys uh, may recognize me. It's not from TV or anything like that. I just sat half of you a little while ago. So... (laughs) The worker shortage in this city is getting out of hand. That's all. After the show, I'll be cleaning the dishes and... Sweeping up your cigarette butts outside. So please use the ashtray. All right. My name is James. Uh, I'm originally from Texas. Um, yeah, that's about what that deserves. <laughs> We've been having a little bit of a PR crisis for the last 200 years or so. <laughs> Texas is not doing great. I have been here since 2015, though. I've been here for seven years, so I feel like I'm becoming more of a Northwesterner, less of a Texan. Yeah, the Northwest is coming in. The Texas is leaving. I know this because the other day I apologized to somebody after I misgendered their dog, and that apology came from the heart, all right? Nobody shamed me into that apology. Thought it was a good boy. Turns out it was a sweet girl, so that's my fault. My fault for assuming. Now, I don't mean to make light of being misgendered. As a straight guy, I've never been misgendered, but at least once a month, someone will come up to me, and based on the way I look and the way I carry myself, they will assume that I like professional wrestling, and that hurts too, okay? That is... No, I will not go to Monday Night Raw with you, all right? Please stop asking. Moved here in 2015. In the year of 2015, uh, the state of Texas selected their current governor. His name is Greg Abbott. I don't know if you guys know about Greg Abbott. He's kind of a piece of shit. He started a lot of that uh, legislature, the anti-abortion legislature. It's kind of spread around the country. Uh, he's not a great dude, and they just reelected him. So awesome. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, as a comic, it's kind of hard to make fun of Greg Abbott because uh, he's in a wheelchair. <laughs> Yeah, people will accuse you of being ableist. They say, you can't make fun of him, he's in a wheelchair. And they say, there's one rule in comedy, they say, never punch down. And I'm like, well, how else are you supposed to punch somebody in a wheelchair? That's what I want to know. So, like, that's a legit question. Don't feel bad for the guy, he's not great, okay? Did you guys, uh, did you guys vote in the last election? This one we just had? Hell yeah. We got ourselves a new governor here. Uh, did you guys get the targeted ads for Tina Kotek? They were everywhere. We just could not get away from them. We'll see how she does as a governor, but I don't know. Like, I do feel like she was made in a lab specifically for Portland voters. Anybody else? Anybody else get that vibe off our new governor? They're like, all right, is she progressive? They're like, the most progressive. All right, that's not enough these days. Let's give her a short haircut, some cool glasses. Make her one of the people. Like, well, that's not enough either these days. We gotta do more. Like, how about we name her after a tampon? How about that? How about. That'll get the feminist vote out. Come on. So we'll see how she does. I, don't, I would 
have voted for the first per- Brandon talked about this. I would have voted for the first person who promised to keep my catalytic converter on my car. That's what I'm going to vote for every time. Just give me that. I don't care what else. I don't care what you your platform. Catalytic converters, they say they steal them because of the precious metals in them. It's got a real Lord of the Rings, Middle Earth vibe to it, doesn't it? Maybe else. They're making mithril out of these things. What are they doing with these? Precious metal. Is there a Dwarven Forge on A2nd I don't know about? The fuck are they doing with them, you know? It does make sense, because most of the people that steal those things do look like goblins. So, kind of all pans out, I think. Uh, I turned 40 last year. Anybody in here 40 or older? Anybody? Anybody? Couple? Yep, that's our energy level. Yeah, yeah, that's... Just turned 40, and I feel like my taste, like the things I like to eat, have started to change. Uh, I fucking started eating bread and butter pickles. What the fuck? That, that's an old man food, man. What the fuck is wrong with me? There was always a couple kids that liked bread and butter pickles, and they were fucking weirdos. And they're the kind of kids that, like, would call their mom by their first name. They're like, you forgot the bread and butter pickles, Barbara. Like, those, I don't want to be that kid. I don't know what's happening to me. 40 years old, but I do still have roommates because comedy is a gift. So it's going great. We do at least have a pretty big house. It's like one of those old Portland houses, you know, held together by mostly black mold. It's pretty good. It's, it's going great. Yeah, four dudes in the house. Four dudes, one bathroom. Which just sounds like the worst category on Pornhub. Like, nobody... Nobody's clicking on that one. It's not a good one. We got a new roommate last year. He's a Twitch streamer. You guys know what Twitch streaming is? It's OnlyFans for dudes. You guys have heard of it. It's pretty good. If you don't know what Twitch streaming is, uh, they play video games online uh, for a living. Because back in third grade... When they asked everybody, hey, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? This guy fucking followed through, all right? (laughs) Now he's living his best life in my basement as we speak. So, got him. Uh, We got me, the comedian. We got a folk singer. Because when you move into a house in Portland, there's already one waiting there for you. There's just... They give you your keys, and they're like, here's your state-issued folk singer. There you go. Make sure he eats. <laughs> and then we got a pizza delivery guy. So we're just one roommate away from filling out our disappointed parents' bingo card. <laughs> if there are any magicians in the audience, uh, we're going to have a closet opening up. It's 1600 a month, but come on by. We'll get you in there. All right, guys, I've been James Bosquez. Enjoy the rest of the show. Hey folks, this is Michael Phelps, host of Father's Favorites and the Comedy Open Mic at my father's place, conveniently located at 523 Southeast Grand Avenue in Portland, Oregon. Mic sign-ups are Fridays at 8.30 p.m. 
Come on by for some awesome breakfast food, great drinks, and the best comedians Portland and the Pacific Northwest has to offer. In the meantime, make sure you follow Science Factual on the socials. That's at Science Factual Pod, as well as Shady Pines Radio for amazing content 24 hours a day, 8 days a week. Download the app today wherever you procure your apps. listening to shadypinesradio.com here's the lineup for tuesday starting at 8 a.m science factual with reese hendrick at 9 a.m emotional weather report with jamie stewart beat salad with mason o'brien at 11 a.m at noon the blue hour with blue corbidae northwest comedy hour with emily june at 1 p.m at 2 p.m the prog hour with reagan lindy your own private PDX with DJ Squiffy at 3 p.m. At 4 p.m., Cosmic Taco Beach Shack with Big Papa Warrior. No Dancing Please with L. Ron Hubbard at 5 p.m. At 6 p.m., Anything New with Shorty L. Toasty Tunes with Alex Toast at 7 p.m. At 8 p.m., Radio Seance with Your Psychic Friends. At 9 p.m., Fresh Unoriginal with DJ Wineglass. Turntable Talk with Chili and Bass at 10 p.m. And at 11 p.m., Taking Drugs to Play Music to Take Drugs to with Shampoo Douglas. No matter the day or time, you've picked the right time to listen in. Thanks for listening, and tell others. Shady Pines Radio.